Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you want to be a part of the show, you could always contact me on any of the contact links in the description of the show. I would love it if you called the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. A complaint I hear all the time and maybe you hear it too from your buddies, is slow drivers in the left lane. And, and I say at uh, when I'm emceeing events, one of my standard lines when I'm talking about uh, traffic and, and other uh, such issues, uh, is that I wish I had a superpower, the traffic superpower of being able to pick up the slow left lane driver and then move them over a couple of lanes and then drop their car there safely so they can go slowly and everybody else can keep going no matter how fast they want to go. That's up to law enforcement to enforce, not you. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you shouldn't probably be speeding in the left lane, but that, again, is the job of law enforcement to deal with, not you slow drivers. Well, the state of South Carolina, they are getting serious about this as a Senate subcommittee has already approved now increasing fines for people who are driving slowly in the left lane. Now, they've only increased the fines a little bit, from $25 up to $100. And to me, that's still not enough to really make any kind of a difference in slow left lane drivers. I mean, if you see a sign on the highway and say, if you're driving slowly in the left lane, you could be fined up to $100. I mean, come on. Now, if the fine said $1,000, That gets your attention, doesn't it? Maybe we should add an extra zero there, right? Well, that increased fine would additionally give uh, also discretion to uh, local law enforcement there in South Carolina, the state troopers really, to pull somebody over and then decide what to fine these people, whether it's $25, really all the way up to $100. Now, they're calling this the slowpoke bill, and they originally passed a left lane law back uh, a couple of years ago, uh, but, but they've still seen slow drivers creeping back into that left lane. So they really need some teeth, in other words, some monetary teeth, to enforce people not driving slowly in the left lane. And uh, this tougher penalty, they think, can help. Uh, that first year... That state troopers wrote uh, that state troopers could write tickets for their left lane slow law. They wrote nearly 500 tickets. I I would imagine if they pass this new one, they'll probably write another 500 and then collect a lot more money. (laughs) Now, the fine is not a criminal penalty, so it doesn't get reported on your driving record. It's basically an incentive to say, hey, Get out of the left lane because, again, I said it before, whatever you tax, you get less of. Whatever you incentivize, you get more of. So if you're finding people or taxing them uh, to do something that that you don't want them to do, like driving slowly in the left lane, then you got to tax them a lot, I guess. Uh, Speaking of new legislation, have you heard of motorcycle lane splitting? It's basically where a motorcyclist is allowed to ride in between vehicle lanes. So imagine you're on a highway. There's two or three lanes there, and and you would maybe see a motorcyclist ride in between your vehicle and the one next to you. Now, usually it happens at slower speeds and congestion, stop-and-go traffic, that sort of thing, but you could see a motorcyclist just whizzing by cars uh, in, in, in between right there along the dotted line. That is called lane splitting, and some people say it's dangerous. 
While some motorcyclists and motorcycle groups and advocates say that it's safer to lane split or at least allow for lane splitting, especially in that stop and go traffic, because what they'll say is that you're, you're exposed on a motorcycle and, and you are exposed on a motorcycle. And that uh, if you're in stop and go traffic and somebody behind you is not paying attention, they might smash into you and then crush you t- in front of, you know, t- make you a motorcycle sandwich between that car and the car that's in front of the motorcyclist, right? Well, here in Colorado, it's not legal now to lane split. It is in other states like California. There's a state representative who wants the state patrol and our Department of Transportation to look into lane splitting and see if it's a good idea or not. That representative is Republican Ron Weinberg. He's from Loveland, Colorado, and he joins me now to talk all about it. Ron, thanks for joining me here on the World Famous Driving You Crazy podcast. (laughs) Jason, thank you very much. All right, so I briefly talked about what lane splitting is. So do you have a better explanation of what it is from your perspective? Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so where where lane splitting originally or lane filtering originally started from was not being able to have a liquid cooled system on a motorcycle. So if you put that in perspective with anything, you know, you're driving on the freeway, you get to a standstill in 101 degree weather, your bike's going to overheat and you kind of got nowhere to go. And, and so therefore, are you going to just keep on going and what, go in between cars? So what if, so there's five different laws written in five different states, right? You've got Arizona, Montana, Utah, California, and Hawaii. Everyone approaches this thought differently. For those that don't have liquid cooling on their bike specifically, what that does is, depending on what speed you're traveling at, will give you the right to, to move between the traffic that's sitting still. So California, for example, the law uh, says very simply 40 miles an hour traffic. Unless that's when you can go in between the cars. Do you ride a motorcycle? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I have every bike you can imagine under the sun. Oh, really? So this is a near and dear issue to your heart then? It's, it certainly is. It gives, um, it gives freedom to the, to the rider on the road. Um, the carbon footprint topic, which nobody ever talks about, uh, getting somewhere quicker than somebody else. <clears throat> being out, if there's something dangerous or hazardous, being able to legally remove yourself from that hazard, there's so many pluses uh, to this. To this, quite frankly, and um, I, I would hope that my colleagues down in the Democrat and the Repo- Republicans would see the studies that came out of California, the most recent one, which uh, dictates it to be actually safer for the motorcycle. My guest is Colorado State Representative Ron Weinberg, who introduced a bill in the Colorado legislature to study motorcycle lane splitting. Let's go through some more of those pros before we get to some of the cons of lane splitting. As many motorcyclists, they, just like you, talk about why they, they like it. One of the reasons they say... Is what less road congestion, as as you just mentioned, but also a a safety, lower risk of incidents. Correct, one hundred percent. Who doesn't want to legally be able to remove themselves from a hazardous situation? Um, That that's ultimately the the goal here. But what's not being dictated all the time is what is legal with filtering and and lane splitting. It's, it's not just if traffic, traffic is moving at 100 miles an hour, you would make it legal to go in between cars. And I think that's where people, where we lose people, right? They think lane splitting period would be just, 
okay, uh, we would allow it, period. And, th and that's not the case. It's in cer situational circumstances, which hopefully the CDP and uh, and uh, CDOT would show us that it's actually safer and helpful. So is it would be mostly on interstates or highways rather than on my residential streets? Correct. So it, it's a 40-mile-hour zone, right? So you, if you have a 35-mile-hour residential zone, you, there's, there's no reason to lane split, right? Some motorcyclists would disagree, <laughs> I think, no matter what the speed. Well, then they wouldn't be following the law. And it would also be on, let's say, interstate highways where the speed limit is obviously much higher than that, but it's more for stop-and-go congestion, or would it be for any time if, let's say, I-25 was moving at 65 miles an hour? Could they lane split right beside me? Under the law, no. Under the law and what this study is trying to provide is no. That's, that's illegal. It's a 40-mile-per-hour stop situation or slow to go 40 mile per hour situation uh, to where the motorcyclists can travel through. I'm speaking with Colorado State Representative Ron Weinberg, uh, talking about a bill that uh, would look at studying motorcycle lane splitting. When I've talked to motorcyclists in the past about this, they, they tend to get really bent out of shape, saying that drivers shouldn't really worry about what they're doing and it's and the biggest con of lane splitting if for regular drivers is that it feels uncomfortable to have a motorcyclist just zip right past them while they're sitting in slow and go or stop and go traffic 100% that's a that's a great a great thought i've i've heard that myself multiple times what the true issue with lane splitting and lane filtering which i think california did a great job on this one which i would hope to hope to have some sort of mirror if the study comes out in favor of what I think it should be. Literally, we need to educate people on, on how to handle this. You know, in California, as a customer, if you're driving in California, you should be paying attention to the road. There's a reason we have seatbelt laws. There's a reason we have no texting and driving, no talking on the phone. There's a reason we have all these laws, right? You should be paying attention to the road. If you are paying attention properly with a true education level from, from the state, uh, you would be taught how to react. Just like California, when somebody's coming down 38 miles an hour in stop traffic in 105 degree weather, what do cars do on the freeway in the far left lane? They move over as a gesture of, I'm going to let this guy through because he needs to go. And it's there's no air conditioning on this bike. So we need to teach people that this bill, for just for the study, is just the first piecing. If we don't educate how to properly utilize and, and deal with this, th this bill is dead, period. So th that's why I didn't rush into doing a, a bill to open it up. I did it first, being a rookie and coming in and not really knowing my, my elbow from my foot, right? <laughs> I wanted it at first to be a bill to, to just enact lane splitting. And then I started doing the research on it. I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Let's do a study. California is not Colorado. Thank God. Colorado is not California. Let's study. Let's let's get the CSP and the Colorado Department of, of Transportation to get on the road and tell us what it is. Furthermore, I'm amending my bill, which is um, is now going to hone in to what California does specifically, which is the 40 miles per hour uh, moving traffic and stop traffic. So I, I think we're going to get a good study out of this. But if we do not get the education piece next, and what's going to be, what are we going to do to educate people if this actually bill comes to fruition, 
Well, we're kind of useless, stopped in our tracks the same way we are now. My guest is State Representative Ron Weinberg from Colorado talking about lane splitting and motorcycles. You, you keep mentioning California and, and what they do now. Uh, they have a uh, s- several uh, general guidelines that say failing to be respectful from regular drivers while uh, motorcyclists are lane splitting can startle people and poison the attitude. That's a quote from the guidelines of motorists towards motorcyclists. In other words, it can lead drivers, regular drivers in their regular car, to react badly to lane splitting and maybe even accidentally, uh, you know, air quotes here, accidentally jerking their wheel or going into road rage and uh, and, uh, nearly intentionally hitting a motorcyclist or trying to slow them down. And ultimately... This is what makes the United States and arguably Colorado uh, the best in the nation is because we have the freedom and the choice to decide whether we're going to hop on that motorcycle and accept that risk. We accept that risk when we don't wear helmets. It's I, I, I hear it. And guess what? You can apply the same method to the drunk driver running the red light and hitting you in a car. Well, no, I, I think that's. I uh, well, I, I would say uh, that a drunk driver is is obviously when when they get behind the wheel when they're drunk. That that's an on purpose. I, I have always thought that it should be way higher fines and penalties for somebody driving drunk and then killing somebody because they know what they're doing when they get behind the wheel of, of a car. But when somebody is lane splitting and you maybe unintentionally are making a driver mad, uh, a, a regular driver, and then they start let's say trying to squeeze together or shorten or, or tighten up that, that lane, that available space for a motorcyclist, that's unintentional road rage that is not good on the roadways either. The best part is with a motorcycle, if somebody's doing that, you can identify it very well ahead. You can move over one lane and continue on. What about people who get upset with uh, motorcyclists, quote unquote, queue jumping in other words just jumping in front of other cars that are waiting there to get where they need to go that's just irresponsible again we're talking about the law and what the bill is right is about right what what are we under the law that would be illegal under the law and under this so yeah they would be disobeying the law <laughs> but as you know you and i'm sure as, as you're driving right now you probably have seen a lot of uh, drivers with their temporary plates that have not been renewed for for many <laughs> months, if not maybe a year or two. So it, there isn't always law enforcement when you want them and when you need them. If you want to start talking about law enforcement and what the problem's there, we can have another podcast. I've yes. got plenty to say about that, too. <laughs> yeah. My guest is... It's Colorado State Representative Ron Weinberg. You, you, if you were riding in back in California, uh, where lane splitting is still legal right now, or or if, or if it is adopted here in Colorado, after we go through uh, all the processes to have the study done, and let's say another bill is is introduced to uh, get that uh, lane splitting passed and it's signed by the governor, would you do it? Of course, absolutely. I did it ten years and. In California, I rode in the back of my dad in South Africa doing it there. I'm, I'm. We've never had an issue. Yeah, yeah. As I can tell, that you don't have a Colorado accent. You're, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're, as you said, originally from South Africa. What's it like to ride a motorcycle there? <laughs> well, it's uh, certainly fun. <laughs> <laughs> different, how, how different than Colorado, I suppose. A lot more open ground and. Uh, 
Uh, everything everything outside the United States is very different. You know, the United States cars are much bigger, carry a lot more fuel. Have you heard from the Colorado motorcycle community about this? Did did you did you come up with the idea? Did they pour the idea to you, and then that's why you decided to run with it? Quite frankly, you know what people don't really realize is when you become a legislator, uh, you're you're you have deadlines to even have an idea on bills. So what most people don't understand is a new legislator coming in, they don't understand that they've got roughly four to eight weeks to have three bill ideas deadlined. So coming in, you know, I, it, it really was pushed upon having some bill ideas. And one thing that was close and near and dear to my heart was what is it going to take to allow lane splitting? Is it safe? What's the right avenues to take? And, and like you said earlier, except you missed one step, was I wouldn't pursue any type of lane splitting bill without two factors. First one, this study to go to go through. And secondly, what is the plan to educate people on how to properly administrate and respond to people that are going to be doing this? And then finally, if we get those two, the third avenue I would take would be to, to introduce a bill to lane split. So to be clear, it was really your idea as you yes. were just trying, yeah, and then come up with it. Have you heard from the Colorado motorcycle community after you introduced this bill? And what are I, their thoughts? I have actually, and um, they're telling me they're going to come testify. Uh, they are in support. They like that somebody is even introducing something that has anything to do with motorcycles. Um, I don't know how many people on out of sixty-five in the House of Representatives ride a Harley, uh, <laughs> and how many people have been riding a motorcycle since five years old. You know, so uh, we, we get to see it. The people that are going to show up are going to show up and testify for or against. I met with uh, the people with the CSP today, as well as the Colorado Department of Transportation, to clarify my expectations. Uh, they, as they stated today, they they stand neutral until the study has has been conducted, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. Did they give you any impression whether they think it's safe or not safe before they actually are presented with uh, a law that says they need to do a study on it? You know, <clears throat> that's the uh, excuse me. It's a cool thing with them. They're very professional. Um, I thought it was going to be immediate, maybe walking into a bias situation, but. It was quite frank. They wanted to know what I was looking for in the study, what I was, what my expectations were. They really were like probing to how they could conduct this in the in the best manner possible, possible, and what was it that I was looking for them uh, from them from these this study, and, and I really respected that. So, did did you get the impression that they were looking forward to working on a study like this? You know, that's the best part about the state uh, when they say nonpartisan staff. They're, they're really good at this. They're, you know, I wouldn't want to play poker with these people. Uh, they, they are truly set to nonpartisanship and wanting to know what you want to get across. And we'll see what the information comes, comes about. And, but no, I didn't get any impression whether they were for or against. Uh, I got a firm neutral and that they were hoping to accomplish what I'm looking forward to, to get done. I'm speaking with state representative from Colorado, Ron Weinberg, about motorcycle lane splitting and a bill he's introduced in the Colorado legislature to study the issue. Have you talked to anybody in California or some of the other states uh, that have lane splitting that is legal to get their opinion or maybe the California State Patrol about lane splitting and and what they've seen and and what their opinion is? I have not, actually, but what I trust is the extensive research of the study done in California uh, a couple years back. It's 
a very, very in-depth, detailed study that is referenced throughout the United States or any state that wants to enact this. And um, I trust what they found in, you know, in, in those documents were what they would say to me today, because that's all they can go off of is what I would think, uh, which is exactly what led to changing the bill from uh, enacting to study, which was, mm -hmm. wait a second, let's figure this out and see what the study is going to get us. And we'll see if we should pursue this or not. Because you would think it, doing their due diligence, both the Colorado State Patrol and the Department of Transportation would probably reach out to California and Arizona and these other states and find out what has worked and what hasn't worked for them and then try to get all that information to put into this study so they can have a comprehensive collection of pros and cons. Sure. And, you know, that's up to them as to their purview. Uh, I wish to hold no influence or bias to any of their decisions. I, I trust the departments to do the finest work that they do. And that's why I've left it in their hands. If passes through committee and through House and through Senate and signed by governor, the study will commence. And I believe the deadline will be the end of this year to whether we're, we'll make this, the decision to pursue lane splitting or not. And I, I think that that's a, the smart way to introduce and conduct yourself as a legislator. So if you do get all the way out through past the governor, let's say he signs it uh, probably June, July, something like that. So the state only would have six months to study that. Is that enough time for them to study something like this? That was a question that was uh, offered and they have agreed that that is enough time. Oh, good. So what do you think your chances are of getting out of committee? What are some of the other committee uh, members saying right now in the House as you're introducing it and talking about it there? And then do you think it's going to make it to the floor and over to the Senate? You know, Jason, I, I'm not a seasoned politician. I'll tell you quite frank. It's, uh, it's got to be something that has to be dealt with stakeholders and going up to people and asking what their thoughts are and so on and so forth. Anything that has to do with motorcycle zipping through a car without knowing the information prior or reading the full bill, uh, you know, in my opinion, would be an automatic no. Heck no. So, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to present the facts, present what we need to do. We have a low fiscal note, which is not the burden to the taxpayer. And I think this will do something very interesting for the motorcycle community and give them freedoms that they should have the right to have, especially with owning a motorcycle in 105 degree weather. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that, that, that hot very uh, here that often. So, <laughs> so let's hope not on, on a motorcycle. You can add just like a dog in a car. My, my friend, just like a dog in a car, when there's nothing, there's no breeze. Uh, you should see the temperature of somebody in full motorcycle gear. Um, or even not in full motorcycle gear. Feel how hot that road is. Yeah. Because uh, just like the temperatures of the road, if it's 70 degrees outside, I guarantee you it's 85 degrees on that road. That is hot tar. And you're, you're sitting on an oven. Full disclosure here. I used to, when I was in college, I used to have motorcycles. And when I used to share a motorcycle with my father-in-law, so I, I've ridden in, in the past quite often. And one thing I would always like to do is when you ride past an open field, you could feel the temperature drop. Um, but for me, I, I stopped riding and my, uh, father-in-law sold the motorcycle, uh, because it just became too dangerous to ride a motorcycle. It's just not worth my life to get out there when so many, uh, regular drivers are just not paying attention, distracted by their cell phone, distracted by whatever, and not paying attention to motorcyclists. And I've had too many close calls for, at least from, for me and my comfort. Sure. You make a commitment every day to wake up and preserve your life. That's your right. Whether you get into a car whether you go to a club on Friday night, whether you decide to drink alcohol, you make these decisions, period. And uh, I would leave them up to, you know, almost 
God as to what's going to happen to you next. <laughs> yeah, I, it's one way to, to look at it. Uh, have you talked to the governor about this, uh, about your bill, and, and what has he say to, has said about it? Well, it hasn't come up. Uh, the governor is very busy, busy, and he's got limited time. So, you know, I haven't really bothered him with him too much. I, and it's a study, so I don't think it would be something. In, you know, he's got like, he's got five hundred uh, five hundred other bills to look at. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't burden him with something as a study. And again, let's see where it goes off to committee, and then we'll we'll see whether I'll I'll make the phone call or not. And you are a pretty busy man because it's been a challenge trying to get you uh, here on on the phone. Do you have any other transportation issues that you're concerned about that you might uh, be offering to uh, the committee? No, not a, not of right now. I, I wish uh, our roads would be better. Uh, Colorado sets the bar and the standard for everything else in, in the country, and the roads is not one of them. I have a deep grudge against our roads and how many holes we have and bumps and concrete that – you drive 20 miles and you're bouncing up and down, whether you're on a motorcycle or in a truck or in a, an electric vehicle. Uh, we have a big problem with our roads. I've been assured that there's a 10-year plan. I, I'm waiting to look into it and see what the, the plan is here. But at this point in time, you know, looking at everything around us with our roads and how much money we have to fix, and we're always under construction, maybe we should change the state logo to a traffic cone for a little bit until we get it done. I hear that a lot, as well as the whole issue about the uh, expired, especially temporary tags that are out there, so many of them, and maybe the uh, fines or maybe the uh, enforcement should be upped for finding drivers who, because typically if you have a, an expired uh, license plate that hasn't either been renewed or you have an t- expired temporary tag, those drivers typically don't have insurance as well, and so it's dangerous for everybody to be. It's not just hey let them be they they're just not paying their registration fee who cares if they're uninsured drivers and then that matters to everybody sure all right well thank you so much uh i appreciate your time and i appreciate uh you finally uh, carving out a few minutes uh, that we could chat jason i appreciate your candor and uh if you need anything else you know where to get me and uh i appreciate you taking the time as well yeah if you have any other uh, transportation bills you want to talk about i'm i'm glad to glad to chat with you about it Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it very much. And if you would want to read that uh, bill or follow along with it, I'll have the link to it in the description of this show, and you can see it right there. And truth be told, I used to ride uh, motorcycles a lot when I was in college. I had a couple of motorcycles, uh, not at the same. I mean, I had one, and then but different ones at at one time. Um, and, and here it recently, or I guess uh, up to a few years ago, I used to ride. My father-in-law had a motorcycle. Um, and it was great. And, and he would let me ride it whenever I wanted. Um, but we stopped and I, and I, and I stopped before he did. And, and it was frankly, because I felt it was too dangerous. There were just way too many close calls that I was involved with, not because of my driving, but because of the inattentiveness of others, especially when, uh, somebody makes a left turn in front of you and you have to slam on the brakes so you don't run into them and then go flying across their car. I mean, it is really dangerous where people are not looking out for motorcyclists. And it, they, they, there are times like here in Colorado, they, some, some places they'll put some sand on the roads when, after it, uh, you know, when it snows to give it a little bit more traction. And there's a lot of gravel out there, and, and it can make it a little slippery, especially in some turns on some of the city streets. And so uh, that makes it a little bit tougher on some of the motorcyclists. And, but it's really just the inattentive drivers that I had a problem with. And it's not worth my life. Even wearing a helmet, and I know that the helmets are not required in Colorado, I would always ride with a helmet, but it's not worth my life. I have too much to live for and too many people to live for 
um, to ride a motorcycle. I, I love it. It's it's a great feeling. Uh, it, it was super, you know, going on some of these mountain roads right there in the foothills of Colorado. It was just fantastic. However, it is extremely dangerous with all those inattentive drivers out there. And, and for me, I'm getting to the point where I, I, I want to keep living and, and <laughs> I don't want to be maimed or injured severely and or, or lose my life. So my father-in-law sold the motorcycle and I, and I think it was the right move to sell it and uh, not have not not ride anymore so uh, will i go ride if somebody has a motorcycle and they want me to go riding with them a little bit maybe i'll do that i don't know but i'm not doing it all the time that's for sure um would i like to see lane splitting as a car driver probably not i i i think that's extremely dangerous not only for the rider uh, uh the motorcycle rider but also for the people who are driving because you really have to then train yourself, and and you know how how drivers are, even just with other drivers, you can't even train them to do anything, right? Uh, but they would have to be more aware of that that a motorcyclist could be zipping right in that lane between you and the car next to you, especially in stop and go traffic. You know how many people try to zip over and try to get into that other lane because they think it's going to be moving faster when it's moving just as slowly as you are in heavy traffic, but you could potentially cut off a motorcyclist unaware that that person is lane splitting right there next to you. So I I don't know. I I, I do believe everybody's free to do what they want. If they want to hurt themselves, that's fine. If they want to ride without a helmet and hurt themselves, that's up to them. That's their choice. Um, But when you're lane splitting, eh, there's other people involved too. Um, And so uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see if this does pass uh, through our, our legislative process, and the governor signs it, what our state patrol and what the uh, Department of Transportation will find a- in their research about lane splitting and whether they think it's a good idea or not a good idea. Um, I know California, as I asked um, Representative Weinberg, uh, they have uh, extensive studies on this because it's been happening there for a long time. Um, I, didn't wa- I-, I really don't want to be in that situation where I hit or in a inadvertently cut off a motorcyclist or have them swerve into me because of the lane uh, splitting. So I don't know. I mean, really, if they miscalculate by a, uh, really by just inches, I miscalculated. Here you go. Here's a miscalculation story for you. I miscalculated by an inch coming out of my uh, drive or on my uh, garage on my driveway. And I broke my passenger side mirror. It just smashed it to pieces. All it took was not, it wasn't even an inch. It was like a half an inch where it just caught the side there and the thing just exploded. And so I had to buy a new one. Actually, it's a new used one. It's a used one I found on eBay and it's for a 2013 model instead of a 2014 model uh, that I could put on my car. It's the same, uh, it's the same style and everything um, because they had the same uh, mirrors from like series 2011 to 2015, I think. Anyway. So I had to go, it was basically $150 stupid tax that I had to pay and take my door apart and replace that passenger side mirror because I miscalculated by about a quarter of an inch. If they miscalculated by a quarter of an inch, it's not just going to be the mirror that they destroy. It's It might even be their life or, or other lives if somebody's riding on there. So to me, it's just not worth my life or, or injury or, or damage, anything like that. 
to, to have lane splitting or, or even to ride a motorcycle again. I, I mean, I'm just getting over my wrist surgery and I, I lost the use uh, of my right hand for two weeks and that was bad enough. I'm telling you, it was very frustrating and very inconvenient. Not to be, imagine everything you're doing and you can't use your right hand. You can only, you can't even pick anything up with your right hand for two weeks eating with your left, trying to brush your teeth with your left, brushing your hair. I mean, everything. You can't wash your left underarm because of your left, your right hand is all gummed. I would have to wrap it in saran wrap and then put soap on the, on the saran wrap and try to rub under my arm. I'm telling you, it's very inconvenient. So all of that to say, it's not worth my injury or life, I guess. A lane split or to be on a motorcycle anyway. Uh, and I can't imagine what it would be like with a broken arm or a head or a hip and try to get over all that in my old age. Anyway, if you have a, a question, comment, concern about this or anything else, be sure to give me a comment there on my uh, listener hotline, 303-832-0217. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luba, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.